If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We are taking a summer sabbatical from First and Second Thessalonians, and we're going to be looking at uh, the Proverbs. And as we have this opportunity, again, so many of us in the world look for wisdom in all the wrong places and from the wrong people. And God tells us very clearly we're to look to the Word of God. And so this is an opportunity, and, and I hopefully uh, you'll see this summer that this is a, a new opportunity for you to grow deeper in your understanding and your character. And so again, we've been going, um, if you've been here uh, long enough, uh, hopefully you've noticed that we go from an Old Testament to New Testament. We hit different genres um, because we want you to be understanding the Word of God and how to go deep in all the different areas and understand the Word um, and not just uh, kind of walk through it or not just skim over it, but that you would go deep. And so we have um, this wisdom literature, and it's not just about moral living. It's, it's about ultimately a relationship with Jesus. So I want you to have a different perspective about the song, about Proverbs uh, this summer. And I want you to, to, to go and look at it from a different perspective of, of what does it mean to have this as a doorway, a beginning, but also a pathway, how we continue to go through and deepen in our understanding and love for Jesus Christ by studying the Proverbs. So let us go to the word and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Proverbs 1 verses 1 through 7 this morning. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, and then the words of the wise and their riddles. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word to us, and it's given to us as Solomon gave it to his children. Lord, we come to you as our Father who now comes to teach us to enlighten us, to not just give us knowledge, but Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to live as becomes the followers of Jesus Christ. Teach us now, we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at three specific things uh, this morning. This is an introduction, so this gives you an outline, as it will, for the rest of the book of Proverbs. And so the first thing we're going to look at is the word proverb. And so Proverbs is not um, ASAP fables. Now, for those of you who grew up at a little bit earlier time frame, remember on Saturday mornings you would have these kind of things that would pop up. And this came from uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends, and you had fractured fairy tales, and you had uh, P- Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Well, you had this little ASAP and son, and what they would do is they would come in on Saturday morning, and they would give you these ASAP fables. Now, the fables were done in such a way as to try to give a story to children, usually using animals, okay? And it was about moral living. And so what they would do is they would have these things and try to teach you about human weaknesses or the folly that came about. So this is where you hear about the, the hare and the hound. 
It's better to have quality over quantity. You had the winking horse, which is a really odd one. Go back and view some of these. I thought, hey, these were pretty cool. And then I started watching them again. I'm like, these are a little different. Then you also have the, probably the most famous one is the tortoise and the hare. Okay, so these are all ASAP fables. And they're, they're just to teach us about, hey, it's better to be steady than to be quick. So it's trying to to teach you about human things, but that is not what Proverbs is about. Proverbs are sentences of wisdom found within this book. They're practical truths that are made to be easy to remember. So they're given, again, from the parents to their children. And specifically, this is coming from Solomon to his son. And so he's trying to give his son the wisdom of what it means to live in this world. Now, again, we ask the question because the world goes about and says, you know how you gain wisdom? You, you live and then you learn. See, and that doesn't make sense because all you have to do is to go on YouTube to find compilations of people who adhere to this wisdom theology. They have lived and then they learned. And we know that because some of them are in caste. Some of them are in the hospital. Some are dead. There are things that I looked up where people were trying to learn how to rock climb without a rope. That's not smart. That's not wisdom. That's why your parents would always say to you, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you go and jump off the cliff too? Nowadays, it's just like, well, yeah, sure I would. Because I've got my little suit. And I can jump off the cliff and I can catch the waves and I ride down. That's not the point. God comes in with his wisdom. He says, here's what you do. You learn so that you might live. And so what he's doing is he's taking us to the wisdom. Now he does it through Solomon. Now again, this is a a big deal for us because one, Solomon for the most part, for most of the book, is the author of the book. Now, there are others that add to the wisdom of this in Proverbs. And there's actually three books in part of this Proverbs. But for the most part, it's Solomon who is the author. Now, he was considered to be the wisest man. First Kings 4, 30-34 through 40, um, through says this. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. Wiser than Ethan the Ezrite and Hermon, Calco, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all of the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in the Lebanon into the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So this is the Solomon who's writing these statements to us. And again, it's the one thing that he asked of God. He was smart enough to ask when God asked him, what do you want? He said, "I make me wise. And so God answers that and then gives to him everything else that everyone seeks in the world. Riches, fame, glory. And so Solomon is the author. And so it's also not that he's just the author, but it's also because it's royal. 
And it's royal here because, again, he's writing to his son and he's saying, this is how you should rule your people. This is what it means to establish the messianic kingdom. Does everybody catch that? He's writing a royal proclamation to his son of saying, this is how you rule a kingdom. And ultimately looking for the messianic kingdom. So Jesus, listen, Jesus is the wisdom of Proverbs. And I want you to catch that. Because these aren't just pithy statements. This isn't just about being nice or being better. These aren't just catchphrases. This is telling us how we are to live and how we love Jesus Christ more. And so what the author does, he says, here's in verses 2 through um, 6, he says, this is how you grow deeper in your understanding. And he gives us in verse 2 the purpose. He says, the purpose is to know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. So he gives us the purpose. And so it's like, I want you to think of it like this. It's if light is shined through the prism, what happens? You get the rainbow. And so what you do is you get to see the light refracted and you get to see the different aspects. Well, that's what's going on here. The author's trying to say, if you want to understand wisdom, then I'm going to start to show you how it's refracted in all these different things, in different relationships, in, in how you deal with money, how you deal with people, how you deal with sexual reality. How do you deal with all aspects of life? And so he says, I want you to understand that it's going to take, one, discipleship. Now, again, the question is, in discipleship, are you able to be taught? Are you in a place of discipleship? And it doesn't matter what your age is. Are you still continuing in your discipleship? Are you able to be taught by someone else? And not only that, are you in a place where you can be corrected by someone? That to me is the bigger thing. Can someone in your life come to you and with complete honesty talk to issues in your life that are sub-wisdom. See, discipleship is hard. But he's saying, are you about the um, discipleship? Because again, if you look at this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, that wording here, the instruction, really should be, if you have the NIV, the discipline, that's a better word. You're being disciplined to know God in a greater way. So he's saying, as you go deeper, I want you to understand you need to be part of discipleship, but you need to have greater understanding. And the greater understanding is, um, there's a lot of people who have knowledge. And knowledge in and of itself means nothing. You can be so knowledgeable and still be a fool. It's when you have knowledge that is put and used in the right way for the right purpose at the right time in life. That's wisdom. And so we have to gain that understanding, which means we have to have the humility to keep learning. And so what he does, he says in verses 3 and 4, he says, here's how you begin to develop a deep character. And the first thing he says is you need to have discernment. It says to receive instruction in wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. 
So you have this thing of discernment. Now I want you to think of, uh, we know of characters that are like this, so we know of like uh, Holmes and Watson, right? So Holmes and Watson in the Sherlock Holmes series uh, were able to see a lot of the same things, a lot of the same crime scenes, a lot of the same people. It's just that Holmes saw it from a different perspective. Well, that's what the, the Bible teacher is trying to tell us here. We need to look with a different perspective. We need to see the details. We need to have discernment to be able to prick out the things that are wise. So what it is, is practical good sense, and he gives us instructions. And when you have good sense, then it says here in the scripture that there are good results. Good actions that come out of wise thinking. And what are those? It's righteousness. It's justice. It's equity. If I'm a wise person, then I will find myself having results in my life where there is righteousness. There is equity and justice that comes about because of the way that I live. And only that, it says that um, to have deep character, it's going to take hard work. Right? It's easy to stall or become lazy. How long does it take to develop a, a good habit? Lots of days, lots of weeks, right? How long does it take to stop a good habit? No time at all. It's easy to become lazy. It's easy to become stalled in our life. It's Matthew 7 that we read earlier. What's the difference between the person who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand? Listen, it's always going to be easier to build on the sand, Always. I had, um, I worked construction in high school. Well, I, I say work construction. I worked for a person who was building a house. And he was just too cheap. Let's just be honest. He was too cheap to pay for someone to come out and rip this tree out of his, um, where his foundation of the house is going to be. So he hired this young teenager to come every day. And you know what the tools he gave for me to dig out this huge oak tree that was in the middle of the foundation? A hose and an axe. A hose and an axe. And so I would spray down and uh, dig it out if I could find the shovel. If he kept it out there, I would come with a shovel, move the dirt a little bit, and then I'd have to wash it down to expose the roots, and then with an axe, not even a chainsaw, because he didn't want the chainsaw to get dull. So he gave me this axe to beat this tree to death, day after day, week after week, till finally I got to the tap root, and then he finally brings his truck to pull the, the whole bottom part of the tree out. Okay? It's hard work to gain wisdom. It's hard to build your house on the rock. It's always easier to go with the world. It's always to do things quicker. It's always easier to cut corners. And yet the um, Solomon's here and he's saying, hey, you want to gain wisdom? It's going to be hard work. Fight. Fight for this wisdom. Because if you do, then you're going to have prudence. You're going to have knowledge and you're going to have discretion. And prudence means you have the shrewdness to know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. You gain knowledge, knowledge that everyone should have. And then you gain discretion so you're not fooled anymore. And so we work hard to gain this wisdom. So that we might develop deep character within our souls. 
But then he tells us, never stop gaining wisdom. See, here's the reality in verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So they might understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So he's already talking to the wise. So these are people, he's not talking to a fool at this point, he's already talking to people who are wise. And he says, don't stop. No one ever attains, it's always a continual pursuit. There is not a goal in wisdom. It's a, it's a pathway. It's a continuing pursuit. You never arrive. You never have a graduation day. You never have a retirement ceremony for wise pursuit. You always go after. You always try to continue to gain understanding. You continue to gain. You continue to grow in wisdom. You continue to learn. Not just knowledge, but you begin to ask the hard questions. You begin to know so that you can answer the riddles. You answer because you're the wise and you can answer the things of life. Again, I looked up, how do you gain wisdom? I googled it. And some of the stuff that comes up, it's horrible. And only that, one of them had pictures. And they weren't even good pictures. But it was just like, hey, go find someone that you think is wise. Hey, read a lot more. Hey, just just kind of figure it out on your own. If that's where you're going to look for wisdom, then you're going to be sadly disappointed. When you become the standard, you become sadly disappointed. Wisdom, we continue to seek after it all of our lives. Again, I credited this to Steve Brown. I don't know if it's him, but he said, I remember him giving this quote. And he said, when you're young, you think that you can change the world. You have these grandiose visions and dreams of going out and changing the world and you're going to do something. He says, then all of a sudden you get a little bit older. And that dream of changing the world changes to, well, I think I can change the people and the things around me. He says, but then you get a little bit older and a little bit wiser and you get to the place where you're just saying, I hope I'm not messing people up. There's wisdom in that. When we go around and say, man, I want to be a part of people's lives and I want them to know and understand because I want them to know and understand who? Jesus. So we have this great character that he's trying to pull within us. He's telling to continue to pursue. But then he gives to us the motto for the whole book. That's verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the first thing we look at is the fear of the Lord. And so we begin by asking the question, what does fear mean? Fear is not being scared of God. It's not being scared of God. It means that we have an awe and reverence. So we have this awe and reverence of God because he is someone who is overwhelming. He is someone who could destroy anything at any moment in time. And yet he is a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. But he also is a wrathful God. And so we have this awe and reverence, and it's an affectionate love because fear of the Lord develops into a relationship. See, 
it's not, wisdom is not just a thing. It is a person. Wisdom is found in Christ. How do we know that? Isaiah 11, verses 2 and 3 say this. Did I go too far? Nope. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Who? Jesus. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide his disputes by what his ears hear. Jesus is the epitome of wisdom. And so this whole book should be driving us to Jesus. Not again pithy statements, not just moralistic, not just I need to be better. We should be falling more in love with Jesus because we've studied this book. Because he is telling us as Christians, this is how you should live. This is how you love me. This is how you love others. And again, if you can't figure out how to love him right, you're definitely not going to be able to love others. Because I need his love working through me. You don't think you're going to be tired of those little little kids that you're like, Oh, Jesus, thank you for bringing these little kids into my life this week. I'm so looking forward to telling them about Jesus. On Friday, you're just like, can you go home already? You have, I'm tired. I'm now wet. Now I'm just, I'm irritated with the kids that kept coming up and kicking in my shins all week long. Or, Jesus continues to give you the eyes to see and the wisdom of a hearts that are changed by the gospel message. See, it has to be coming from God. We have to grow deeper in our love with Jesus. Otherwise, if we do it in our own power, things are going to get rough. So we fall in love with Jesus. We have this reverence and awe because we have this relationship. But we also understand because there are those that are still fools. And what do they do? They despise the things of God. They have contempt. They hate God. And usually, why do they hate God? I'm almost done. You don't have to take her out. I'm good. You don't have to. They hate God. And you know why? Typically why most people, when they tell me um, why they hate God, is because they can't live the way that they want to. See, Churches are now selling things where they say, hey, we don't do church discipline. So, yeah, we're going to give you a little bit of Jesus, but you just live the way, uh, your life the way that you want to. That's not the gospel. That's not what it means to live life in wisdom and to the full. See, the worst thing that can happen is when we believe that our wisdom is the standard. When we believe that I am the measure of all things. Because the Romans 1.24 says this. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity. To the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. See when God allows us to live in our own wisdom. Things get really bad. Don't believe me? Watch the news. 
Listen to the radio. Listen to talk radio. Look at the sitcoms. Look at the commentaries. It's a bad thing when God allows us to think that we're wise. So here's the challenge. The challenge is to go deep in character this summer. That we would grow in wisdom. And again, please don't read the Proverbs for just pithy, moralistic statements. Find Jesus in the richness of this book. Fall deeper in love with Jesus this summer. And as you fall deeper in love, then begin to share the wisdom with everyone around you. Because they're going to be attracted to that. Because they're going to know something's different. And they're going to ask you, how did you become so wise? And you're able to tell them, because I know Jesus Christ, who was crucified for my sins, who died, was buried, and rose again, and gives to me his righteousness. And he's now transforming my mind and my heart to look more like Jesus every day. You know what? You can know him too. You can know him too. And then watch. Watch the Holy Spirit move and change lives. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to your word, Father, again, please don't leave us a fool or worse, a scoffer. But Lord, allow us who sit here this morning to have the desire for deep character, to take the opportunity to to work hard to gain wisdom from the Scripture and from Jesus, to be led by the Holy Spirit, a desire to, to be humbled by Jesus, to have that desire not to sin before Him and bring shame to Him. Lord, that's, that's hard. It's hard when we want to watch the movies we want to watch, but it's hard when we want to spend our money the way we want to spend it. Lord, it's hard when we don't want to volunteer at Vacation Bible School or go on mission trips or teach Sunday school or help out in the nursery or do yard work or set up for a rummage sale. Or I get it. To be discipled by Jesus, there's no greater thing. So, Father, truly allow us to grow deep in our love for you and our understanding that we might grasp and understand that wisdom is found in Christ alone. And so, Father, may this be a a summer of change for me and for all of us. For we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.